Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry. Joining me today, I have uh, Thomas of, uh, of social media and uh, the Toffee Blues website fame. And, uh, and I also have, uh, coming back, come back to us. Come back to us, Scotty. Hug. You know, it's Edward. Edward is back. Uh, that's right. Uh, he's, he's back uh, at long, you know, after, after his long uh, vacation in Antarctica, he's back to join us, which is fantastic. It's a bit cold. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can tell. You got your, your little windburn um, from the, the Antarctic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you look, you look like you got a smile on your face, like you've been hanging out with penguins, which is cool. I would. Oh yeah. You're playing football with them. It's amazing. You can teach the amount of tricks to them. (laughs) Well, they're pretty good because they always carry their eggs on their feet. So they're used to balancing and cradling. cradling You ever seen the clip of, um, when penguins doing the whole juggling and that, that's actually real footage of when I was out there and that's, it's, it's just amazing stuff. They're really intelligent animals. I wouldn't be able to hang out there without hearing like Morgan Freeman's oh, voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Attenborough <laughs> as well. The whole. Oh well, see that's that's a little bit. Attenborough, you could do that with like all nature. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, every time you walk outside, you hear Attenborough. I'm just now introducing the kids to that, so that's cool. Yes. Um, so so we are uh, we should talk about something first. So this is our podcast introduction. It's not going to be related to Everton, really. Because that we'd all be crying really quickly. We're going to try to stave off the tears for a little bit. Uh, Edward uh, recently um, did what something penguins cannot do, which is fly. Edward is, is among the flying folk Indeed. now. Uh, so, Edward, do you, do you care to elaborate on your yeah, flight? Yeah, um, basically, it was more of a soft glide to a massive fall. Um, I went from 15,000 feet in the air, which was 133 miles per hour, and it was one of the scariest and one of the best experiences in my life in a skydive, which Mm -hmm. also was to raise money for charity in terms of with Everton in the community. So all all well and good cause Ah. as well, but... So it's a good thing to mention everything right now. It is. It is. It's a yeah. good little segue for you for the next bit when you're ready for it. Um, no, I, I. It's it's an amazing experience to be able to do, uh, what. What a lot of people really don't have a chance or don't want to, in a way, which is. Yeah, there's no real way to describe it. If I'm completely honest with you, because it's it's so many feelings compounded into one. Well, that doesn't help us much on a podcast, well, oh. Edward. I mean, I'll give you the the scariest bit of the actual jump is the first two seconds when you're out of the plane. It's the initial, mm-hmm. you're on the edge, and then you go. Because it's like, you imagine yourself when you're little, or you're going in the car for the first time, and you're with, obviously, whoever's driving. They put their pedal down a little bit quicker than normal. You're exhilarated, your eyes are open, it's like... Wow, that was scary. I want to do it again. That that's kind of the feeling mm-hmm. of it because it's like those first two seconds are like, wow, we could die, but 
that was kind of cool. Can we do that again? But mm-hmm. no, it's it, it's absolutely astounding. I mean, where I was, it was in Lancaster, so it's a bit sort of higher up in the Lake District area, and the views you can get when you're going, even just with the parachute on, just is absolutely astounding. And it, you, you do feel a bit like, it's cliched, but you feel a bit like a superhero flying, just like taking in the view of this of this mm-hmm. city or countryside you're meant to be saving every day. And it's just, it's astounding. Oh, All for a good cause as well. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, because it's, uh, it's not just leaping without mm. purpose. Because that would be silly. It's leaping for somebody else, which is Good awesome. Uh, yeah. Thomas, would you ever jump the oh, jump? No, I don't really know. I think I'd probably be... I think I might get close to it and bottle it one day, but I'm not sure I could actually go all the way. I think it's something I'd, I'd say I'd try, but I can't see myself ever really doing it. I don't I, I don't think I will either. Uh, I'm... I'm like 90 years old, and uh, yeah, that's all I need is another like, hey, I broke my hip doing this type of story. I don't know if I need any more of those. Uh, to be fair, you're 90, you're still fitting the criteria. Oh, uh, well, that's good. <laughs> so no excuses. Uh, so, Ed- Edward, be honest, just a little bit of wee? Uh, there was wee. a bit of sweat, but it's... Oh, no wee? No, not like a couple drops? Oh. like, ah! No, I'm I'm just glad I wore the brown pants. Nice. nice. See? I knew I'd find a way to turn this gross. All right. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, let's get let's get into the actual uh more directly related Everton things. Um so uh, uh this is my table of contents for our podcast this uh, this evening. Uh we've got uh, extra time with uh, with Burnley. Why? Why is the real question. Why are we giving you extra time on the Burnley? I don't know. But we're going to do it anyway. Um, just because there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, the majority of it negative right now. Um, but we're going to talk about the match and uh, discuss a few different things. Then we're going to talk about Sigurdsson. There's a decent amount of conflict. If you're on Twitter, just, just type in Sigurdsson. And it's like lighting a match. Or just stay off it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would, yeah, that's really my advice here: is stay away from Twitter, especially Sigurdsson Twitter, because you got the one stat guy who's telling you that you know Sigurdsson is you know the second coming of Christ. <laughs> uh, you know, look at his stats; he's better than De Bruyne. And then you have the other people who have eyes, and they're like, "Whoa, I'm not sure about that." So. Uh, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Sigurdsson because I do think he's a good player, but there's some weird stuff happening. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do a quiz between these two gents. It's a number conundrum. At least that's what it's, the way it's been described. Ah. So, all right, gentlemen. So, extra time. Burnley was a thing that happened. Um, spoiler alert for those of you who uh, who didn't watch the match. Um, we lost. Oh, what? It was, it was, it was. Yeah, one, one nil. Um, lost to, lost to Burnley. Yeah, Got I had it. to admit that out loud. Uh, saying it out loud just it's even worse. Um, so Edward, I'm gonna start with you because it's been a while. Man. Uh, 
oh man, and now I gotta watch my language because the kid's here. Uh, <laughs> how can you do that on this segment? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Edward, uh, what the heck? Yeah. That's my question. What? What the heck? What is going uh, on here? That's what. I, that's what I want to start. I just want to say that. What? The, what? What in the world is going on uh, right now? Uh, yeah, just go. Just go, because I need something to feel. Make me you know feel what? I, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic. You know, I come back and it's the first game that I've missed in about two, one and a half years, and it's. I'm kind of glad I did miss it though, because I went instead to uh, watch Russell Howard in Liverpool, which was quite good. Better performance by him on the night by just one person instead of an entire eleven against Burnley. Um, but I just. I don't understand what this whole persistence is of going for a formation that clearly teams have figured us out with. And they just it just seemed to be no plan and no creativity because it was a bit like we had some good chances in terms of with the Wobie, we could have gone easily ahead. And it's the main question I'm asking is basically this the same team, realistically, it's the same two teams that played last season where we won five one. So now I want to ask, what's the biggest difference between those two games last year? What what has changed since then that really made us just lose the game? And I think, personally, it's the formation because teams have now figured us out. They know what we're going to play. They know what system we're going to play. And it's just no ruthlessness. Although I do want to point out, Keane and Mina, I thought, were the best players on the day. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. But that's just my thoughts on it at the moment. don't know about you guys. Hold on. Which Keane? Uh, Michael. Michael Keane. Ah. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Thomas, you want to you wanna answer that? I'm still digesting this thing. Uh, yeah, I think there's been a lot said about the formation, the system. Everyone's sick of it. It is quite a defensive formation if you look at it with two defensive midfielders against a team like Burnley, who we knew were going to sit deep. In terms of how things have changed since... Boxing Day last year, not only is it the system which we all know is disastrous, it's the lack of belief that this players seem to have at the moment they don't seem to, although there seems to be players on the pitch picking each other up, you know we've seen we've seen the video of Delph shouting at everyone but the, the lack of belief in this team and Silva's apparent inability to motivate them to even want a result it, it's so frustrating to watch at the moment because Although the four-two-three-one is a predictable system, everyone knows we're going to play it. If the players are good enough in that system, we should we should still beat Burnley. You know, mm. they're not Manchester City, they're not Liverpool. And if you look at the system, the system's wrong. The system's boring. The system's it's it's not any what anyone wants to see at the moment. And teams clearly know how to play against it. However, the players are good enough to beat a team like Burnley. They're nothing special. They're nothing title winning they're not they're nothing new they're nothing exciting they play in a 4-4-2 they sit defensively they put crosses into the box they take set pieces they're not a brilliant team and the players should have enough to beat them no matter what system in realistically and the lack of belief in the squad at the moment and in the team it's clear to see they don't seem to care about the result there's been so many instances of players you know they're not going to clap the fans you know of all people Seamus Coleman's getting sent off the, the attitude at the moment's completely wrong and it's so frustrating to see because how do you turn that round? I don't want this to, t- to turn this into a if Marco Silva should be manager discussion because I feel that's kind of the avenue that everyone seems to go down at the moment. But the lack of belief in the players combined with a poor system, toothless attack and 
at, at times a shambolic defence. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're completely unorganised. <laughs> Those three together, you're never winning a game against mm. no matter who you could come up against, whether it's you know non-league Gateshead, whether it's Manchester City, one of the better teams in Europe. <laughs> they're not they're not going to win, and it's such a problem at the moment. And the answer to that. I'm not really sure at the moment. We need someone that can motivate the players and we need a change of system. But that, that's a lot to ask about, basically. Yeah, I, it's been pretty frustrating. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, because we had we had some opportunities, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Decent, decent had, opportunities, yeah. had some yeah. opportunities. It's, uh, I think, uh, and some of them were, were really high-quality opportunities where we just did not finish. Um, first half, I thought for the majority of it, if anybody really should have come away with a goal from the first half, I do feel like it should have been mm. us. You know, um, you know, I went to my son's junior academy game yesterday, and we easily outshot them by fifteen. Went to that game, we outshot them. We had way more opportunities than they did. They did. We ended up drawing with them 5-5 okay because they would sit that we would dominate play dominate play dominate play and we weren't waiting for the absolute best high percentage shot you know we were taking a lot of shots from the sides you know but it was then when then when they would get shots they were taking the ball away and it was a breakaway one-on-one with the keeper all right so so different percentages yeah. there okay so we may have outshot them like 30 to 28 but it didn't matter you know what i mean and so when you look at like the 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 chance those maps that show you like the different chances you know and which ones had the bigger circles and the smaller circles you know what i mean which tells you which ones were higher percentage shots it's which like ones XG, were shots on goal and all that stuff xg scored yeah. and all that yeah, those kind of things. It looks like Everton should have won by a mm. lot. By a lot. There's an issue here. And I think you touched on it, Thomas. I think a big part of it is confidence. All right? And, and, and who said ruthlessness? Some, who said ruthlessness? One of you guys said ruthless as well. That's part of it too. Mm. All right? You know, that's the thing that's really super frustrating. When, when Iwobi gets in front of goal, first half. Yeah, tuck that away, man. Say good some. Gotta tuck that away. Yeah, there's a I, there's a there is a lack of belief there, but that's the problem, guys. We have to fully dominate and to get way more chances than the other team in order to get that belief up. See, but that you know that's, that's the thing though, because it's like it's been that exact same problem yeah. all season, and it's 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 like you're just playing with. I mean, obviously, it's like Everton fans. I mean, we all probably have had the bad mentality of, oh, well, we're going into this game, we're going to lose it straight away. Because it's like Villa, we could have gone top. Uh, we beat Bournemouth, we would have gone third. And in every single one of those games, when I travelled down, it was thinking, yeah, we're not going to get there. Because it's like, you got the mentality straight away of, well, it just seems like luck's not on our side. But then at the end at the end of it, if they wanted to play these stupid tactics that don't work in games... And we don't have the confidence to try and win games, then it just never works out. And unfortunately, we just keep going in this bitter and unfortunate circle of hope, no hope, hope, no hope, and it just it just carries on, and it it just isn't right for fans in particular as well, like us, because we've just been. I'm sure we've all been saying this things 
every single week, and especially in the last four fixtures at least as well. Uh, one of the things we talked about in the past about Silva is we said that it's not necessarily fair because his, the players he needs to run the system he wants are injured. Okay? Mm. Now, I'm starting to have a rethink of that a bit. And I'm starting to have flashbacks to the beginning of the season when I felt like we were thin at certain positions. Okay? Namely, center mid. All right? Mm. I felt like we needed at least one more. Here's the thing. If that's what Silva wants to do, isn't that, isn't that something like, why should he have to go, based on one or two injuries, to do a completely different system? That doesn't work. Yes! You know, shouldn't there be a plan in place by him or by bronze, something, mm. you know, where, uh, you know, it's a contingency plan. You have a plan. Somebody's hurt, we're mm. okay. We can still run the same system. This is what we drill all day. If that's what Silva wants to do, why are we not moving toward that? What? I think, I think, obviously we don't know for certain, but I think Silva's beginning to lose a bit of belief in his own tactic, his own ability at the moment, because managers don't turn up every week and sit so defense. Well, we don't sit defensively, but play to who defensive midfielders. Obviously, we are thin in centre midfield. They're, they're kind of what we only had. Obviously, Gomez came back from injury, but he seems to be lacking any sort of creativity or any sort of belief in his own ability to turn games round. I think a massive problem is we have no ability to turn a game round. If we go behind, I dread. I don't know what the stat is exactly, but I dread to think what the stat is of us. Edward knows what's the, what's the start. The only time we've gone from behind to win a game uh, under Silver was Lincoln City. That's the only time we've ever done it. Yeah, and Not I think even that, in the league. I think that pretty much just sums up the whole mentality. We don't have the fighting spirit that you need to like come back. Obviously, the goal itself, the corner, zonal marking, it's a disaster. Uh, I think it was Hendrick possibly who scored the goal. He was left at the back. He was left mm. at the back post. You could see it coming from a mile away. It was a long corner. You've got to be able to score after that. You've got to be able to turn around and say, you know what, that was a mistake. Pick yourselves back up. Can Silver pick the players up? I don't think so. Can the players pick themselves up? I don't think so. Can Silver, does Silver now have the belief to change his tactics, take a risk, and sit on the front foot and go at teams? I don't think so. I think, mm-hmm. I think managers only really, when they change their systems, I don't think they ever really go more attacking when they're in the predicament that Silva's in at the moment. We've lost four games in a row. Is this a time to change tactics? Yes. Will he change tactics? I don't think so. I don't think he can turn around and say, well, look at us. We've conceded Burnley. We've conceded against... Uh, we've conceded three against City, two against Sheffield United, three against Bournemouth. Is this the time to be going more attacking? Well, yes, it is the time to be going more attacking. It seems silly, but... Yeah. If we but, can't concede, we may as well try and outscore. And that's the problem at the moment. I don't think he's going to change the tactic. And I think no matter how many times people ask him, people are asking for a new formation, it's, it's not going to change because I think he's lacking belief in his own, his own mm. tactical kind of flexibility. I'm not sure when we go into a game, we're 4-2-3-1 and then we're 4-2-3-1 until the end. And then until maybe we might throw on, you know, three strikers and we end up. There is no plan B, it seems like, at the moment. And even if there is, he's not using it. You know, you look at other teams... They change their systems throughout the game. You know, whether they're defending, they might sit in like a 5-4-1 like Newcastle did against United last night. And then when they're attacking, they might have the overlap and win back. We don't have any of that. We stick in a 4-2-3-1. Delft maybe plays slightly higher. And then 
we kind of throw forwards on like it's FIFA or football manager. We're desperate for a result. It's not mm. how you're going to win games. You need to out tactic your opponent. And I don't think Silva really has the belief in his own ability to do that at the moment. I will, I will say mm. I do think there have been times this season when we've gone down and Silva has changed up, changed up personnel and changed up formation. It has happened. Lincoln's the perfect example. It's happened isn't it? a couple of to- a few times where I remember thinking, you know, that's the difference between him and Martinez. Martinez rarely did that. I remember when Martinez or one Cohen. time there was oh yeah there was one time when Martinez shifted to going like two up top at the end of a game, and I was like because I had been begging for two strikers in my head back then I don't remember when it was but I was sitting there thinking God we just need to roll two strikers why are we not doing this and then finally we did it won the game and the next game back to the old system. <laughs> Wasn't that like West Ham was, or something and we went on to lose or something so like that? It was so frustrating. And I was thinking, because that was the problem. Oh. It was the the uh, the lack of elasticity, the lack of flexibility with Martinez to be able. And he was just thinking, oh, the system's going to work. And the funny thing is, if Sil- it's going to be really messed up. If Silva goes down, trying to ingrain a system that isn't even the one he wants to be running at the club. What? That just makes no sense to me. I mean, okay, I'm hoping, yeah. bring in, and I think, uh, I'm trying to remember, was this you last week, Thomas? Uh, Gabamin and Gabomez, all right? Gabamin <laughs> and Gabomez, all right? Bring them in. I am hoping that there's some sort of foundation when they come in. I, I, because right now, that's the only hope, really, of a shift that I can see in sight because all the rest is the same personnel that we've had before that we've had, Mm. you know, now there is a possibility of possibly like, we're going to talk in the next segment about possibly giving a Wobie a little bit more time, uh, where Sigurdsson plays. And I, I've been a big believer at having a different player to come in for Sigurdsson at times to give it a different look, to make the other team adjust. Been talking about this for a couple years now. Um, We'll talk about that later. Tease. <laughs> Plug. So that's going to be the next segment. We'll talk about that. Um, Seamus is too yellow. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Edward, and then we'll get into the... I was going to say, though, with arguably with Gomez and Gabamin, it does. it's a system that does work, but... Uh, and obviously we'll touch it in the next bit with Sigurdsson. Um, if Gomez is in, though, arguably you're still going to have the problem of it being a 4-2-3-1. Um, and the only two players that I can see it being different with would be Davies and Gomez in the same mm. one because I mean obviously like I said I, I went to the games last year and it was the Huddersfield game last year down at their ground where we went because Sigurdsson I think was injured if I'm not mistaken and we played in a 4-3-3 so Gay was the one that was just staying behind the back line and we could have easily won that game something like 4-0 because it just the system worked so well but Dean got sent off we went down to 10 men and we just had to defend but with Gomez and Davies being these box-to-box midfielders it works and then you've got Gay is just staying in front of the back line so arguably you need two players that are mobile um so maybe that is why he wants to try that system because we have maybe got some players that will do it but then there are still some that can't like whether he's going to drop him. The, the yeah. thing that people that uh, I think I think I read it in that athletic article uh, that came out where they said the, the the thinking was to run 
Gabamin, Gabomez, and uh, Delph as the three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that was, uh, I'm trying to remember, is it Patty Boyland? Is that his name? Uh, I think know. so. Oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, was it Greg O'Keefe? Greg, Greg O'Keefe. I, I think they're both think athletic so. writers now, right? For for uh, Everton. I was trying to remember which one it was. But um, but yeah, there's good there's good information in there. And uh, but they were talking about that being the preferred formation, um, and not mm. being able to do that lately. Um, it just seems kind of, kind of, I don't know, kind of wrong. The fact that one or two players being injured throws off your whole system to to make you completely predictable the whole rest of the time. Because because I mean yeah. Silva Silva's a smart guy. He knows the sport really well, and it's strange that he feels so pent in to do very similar things each game. It's weird to me. Mm. I, I mean, I do think you've got a point there, but also you could say that losing just one player can affect a team so badly. It's like, obviously, we've lost Gay. I think that's been a massive thing, and the fact that Gabamin's not available doesn't help either. But then you have teams like, say, uh, City... They've lost Laporte. Obviously, it's been a massive, massive loss for them. Uh, when Liverpool, obviously, don't like mentioning them, but when they lose Van Dijk, they just don't look the same team. Um, or even the likes of Firmino and like Spurs, if they lose someone like Son or Kane, they just don't look the same team. And But it's in those games. It's like you said, Jerry. In those games, managers have learned to adapt their style and do something different to try and still win a game. And maybe it's because he's naive. Maybe it's because he's young and still trying to learn in ways, like Tom said, his best tactics and trying to find a belief in it. But are we going to have the patience to be able to put put up with it for another season of nothing is just the biggest question I've got to ask. I'd, I'd give him the whole season, but I'll give You're it also a very nice guy. I don't nice think a guy. lot of people would agree there's, with that. There's the other thing. You're very nice. And not everybody is like, Let's go hug a tree, Edward. Here, you know what I mean. You're nice, all right. Uh, Thomas mm. is ruthless. Look at him over there. He's out there. He's got oh, a oh, red oh, pin oh, out. Oh, He's oh, marking oh, through names. He's <laughs> I, I, I won't next. give him for the end next. of the season if, if he doesn't start winning soon. Uh, I was speaking to my family the other day. Next two, next two games are crucial. I think. Oh, West Ham United. Yeah. I think he asked. He has to win them both, I think, realistically. doesn't matter if they're difficult games or not. He hasn't got the points against Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Burnley. He has to get the points there. He has to get his points yeah. from somewhere. Now, I, for me, last last week, I think we were sat here with Terry and I said, you know what, give him to the end of the season, be fine. Now, he's got two more games, in my opinion. Give him the international break. He's got two games after that. And then if he's not winning them, I think... Everton, look what you're doing to this young man. Look at him. He was such a, a bright-eyed, idealistic fellow. And now he's turned into a hardcore cynic who's just ready to, you know, just fire everybody. Look at him. I'm pretty sure it was the Newcastle win last year when I was with you. That was oh. when it all turned around. Don't bring that up at all. That was the oh. worst weeks of my life. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, so, really quickly, um, uh, Seamus is two yellows. Do we feel like that uh, either of the yellows was soft? Yeah. I, th- I think a soft yellow is still a yellow at the end of the day. If it, if you can't give a yellow, then it's a yellow card. Whether it's, you know, a referee sometimes gives some leeway on a second yellow, they kind of get away with things. But if he was dumb enough to try and go for the challenge, 
he's dumb enough know, to get see, sent off. Yeah, that's kind of it. If you if you leave the referee to make a choice, then it's your fault if you get sent off or not. I don't think you can really make an argument yeah. for yeah. See that I mentioned that because that was something that Silva had said. Uh, I know the first one yeah. I watched it and I was like, wow, that looks awful. And I think the fact that it looked so bad was why he got a yellow instead of a red. You know what I mean? Like it was so bad, yeah. but it was really clear he could not pull out of that challenge. Like he physically could not have stopped himself and Peters had left his foot out there. And you know he felt awful, you know, but at the same time, that doesn't matter. If it's a yellow card challenge, it's a yellow card challenge. If it's a red card challenge, it's a red card challenge. So it, that one, I felt like the, the referee almost had an obligation to give him a yellow just because of the of where he actually caught him. You know, studs right on his ankle. It looked yeah. really bad. Um, so, Not great. so, yeah, but a, a player like that, um, you're already rocking a yellow in a time where it's nil-nil. You know the, ne- the team needs points. You know the team needs something. Your captain's jump you ship. Got to, you got to, got to be careful. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no reason why he should be getting anything. So, that's a thing. Um, uh, we've already mentioned the awful defensive marking on their goal. Um, yeah, I, I, we've done this on this thing almost to, almost to death. Uh, subs, do we feel like the subs were okay? Yeah. I mean, what can you do? What can you do in those situations? I think Sadibi's deserving a good run of games. However, I do want to mention pretty quickly, if anybody had noticed, but obviously at time of recording it had been announced, that Delph has had to be withdrawn from England duties. Yep. Uh, that's that's not good going into the next few games, is it? Oh, we did he did he sustain that from was it England training or was it from um, with Burnley game? I'm not sure. I'm not I think sure. I think a lot of the time with international duties, I think it's it's normally quite precautionary. You know, if your players picked up a knock in training at your club, you don't want to send them to international duty and make it worse. So yeah. maybe we'll see him after the international break. But you know, it's Delph. He could have. <laughs> Could have done anything, let's be honest. Could be out for six months. You don't know. Never really know if it's touch wood, it's not. All right. And we've talked about whether or not we need, you know, if we lose against West Ham, what do we do? That's been mentioned. Um, This is is a rough one. This is a rough one because I feel like with Allardyce, we had solidarity. We were all holding hands saying, hey, man, see ya. You know what yeah, I mean? Like we all we're all in it, you know, together, walking forward, holding hands. We are the world, kind of a feeling. Yeah. But on this one, it's weird. I'm going to. Why couldn't I do a podcast when it was like Sheffield Wednesday or something when we'd won? <laughs> I miss these feelings. I miss these feelings of just utter remorse. Yeah. It's it's rough because you're sitting there at home and you're like, oh god, I got to record, and I got to somehow vent all this without coming across like a total sad sack you know what i mean so it's it's just the way it is hey this is the life man this is the way it works you support them regardless i missed it but sometimes you have to say (laughs) gtfo you know what i mean uh but right now i'm i still don't know how i feel about this guys i don't know if i'm if i'm yeah right yeah i don't know if i'm given to the end of the season i don't i don't know that i'm there right now i don't think i am I just I, I I'm going into every game with like with dread now. That sucks. I hate that. You know. I'd rather be jumping out of a plane than going to an Everton game. <laughs> fewer t- fewer tears with the plane, Edward. <laughs> fewer tears. Mm. <laughs> fewer an- anxiety. All nerves. Right. All right. So 
Let's spend our extra time with Burnley. Um, we're supposed to talk about Sigurdsson and uh, him playing the uh, slotting in at the role in which he's been slotting for us, uh, which is center attacking mid, but sort of a second striker, yeah? Mm. Um, so there are times where he's very far up the field and unable to kind of help out with combination play a little bit farther back. Uh, so that kind of, that doesn't help. Additionally, we're talking about a player who's not known for his greasy lightning quick, you know, skill and quickness. So, uh, so basically the, the, the question is though, I, Iwobi's a player that we know can actually function in that role. And if we are going to have a player that's, that's playing that second striker role or is playing that center attacking mid role, at the very least, maybe it would be a good idea to have someone who can, who can break the lines who can actually shake loose. He's a very creative passer. If you watch the guy, he creates a lot of opportunities. So, um, Thomas, Sigurdsson obviously creates a lot of chances on set pieces, but from open play, uh, not as much, yeah? So, is it a situation where we need to be giving him, giving Iwobi a chance in that position, or do we need to be considering running Sigurdsson farther back in that 4-3-3 scenario, which he's never really done very much? Uh, we're trying to, I guess we're trying to figure out how to, how to make this work based on what we have, because, you know, Mark is going to listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Play think four foot in three, three. <laughs> I think personally the, the kind of the out and out number 10 rule is quite outdated these days. I think mm-hmm. a lot of teams no longer kind of play with that kind of just number 10. I think if you think about the number 10s in the league, the Sigurdsson, Ericsson plays there sometimes, but then Spurs kind of have that thing with the wingers kind of situation. Yeah. They've got players playing everywhere, but I think I think the position itself gets so, so bypassed often, and the ball's going out to the wings so many times. I'm not really sure if Silva's telling them to do that or whether, or whether they're doing that themselves. But the mm. ball is going out to the wings so much that the number ten it seems quite quite pointless. He, he's not getting the does a number ten need service. He's not getting the ball as much, and it's just kind of being shifted out wide. So. I think if you look at the stats, obviously he's up there with chances created in the league, but corners, free kicks, like you yeah. said, Jerry, there's a exactly. lot of that going on. And I think, is Sigurdsson playing badly or is the system just not working anymore? Mm. Is the system not working anymore? Generally, is the number 10 rule for anyone working anymore? I think that position kind of gets bypassed. And I think there's much more going on the wings for us personally. And I think, but can Sigurdsson kind of, adapt and then come back into 4-3-3 I think the jury's kind of out on that one I'm not sure whether he is going to be willing to play that far back he does like to kind of be in behind the strike and when you see when we're out of position and we're pressing it kind of becomes that 4-2-2-2 kind of situation with normally Cavalier and Sigurdsson up front yeah. kind of in the back line does that change in the 4-3-3 yes I'm not sure how the kind of press would work then but I think Yes, Sigurdsson's played poorly, but we've gone out of the wing so much and we've kind of ignored the number 10 position. And I think generally it's become too outdated for the league at the moment. Do we play a Wobie there? I don't think so either. Personally, I don't, I don't think we should play number 10 at all. But if anyone's going to carry on playing there, I think I think Sigurdsson should stay there anyway because I'm not sure anyone in the squad plays the number 10 better than Gilfie Sigurdsson but I'm not sure we were using a number 10 at all at That's the what moment. I was going to say. It's not a traditional 10 situation, you know? Yeah, mm. and I think 
Awobi has offered so much on the left wing and he, he does cut inside a lot. That's kind of been the feature of him and Richardson. They do like to come inside, kind of play that inside forward role. So we've got a lot going in the centre, but the ball keeps going out wide. So mm-hmm. is Sigerson going to stay in the team? I think so. Uh, should he stay in the team? If he plays in a 4-3-3, I think he should stay. But I think we should just scrap the whole number 10 role altogether. And I don't think we should play Awobi there necessarily because I think... I think he probably prefers playing on the left, and I think he is quite dangerous on the left when he does play, kind of coming inside and making that run in between the fullback and the centre-back and not kind of just playing in front of the centre-backs as a number 10 kind of traditionally does. Hmm. I mean, I'm thinking scrap the number 10 role and go with a second left wing. I'm not sure how that's going to work, balanced. (laughs) Of course not! <laughs> I was like, are they are they actually taking me seriously right now? <laughs> Let's yeah. just put two of them. Bernard and Awobi right there on the left. They'll never see it coming. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. That's the way to go, guys. Yes. That's just bottom of the barrel tactics. <laughs> let's like wait. We haven't tried this yet. Let's let's go with uh, that now. No. You know, but Why not? I mean, you know, it feels like that sometimes. You know, we haven't tried it yet. Yay! You know, uh, what's but, the worst we can do? Yeah. And I want to be and I want to be clear. I don't I don't necessarily like hate on Sigurdsson. He's a really skilled player. I loved when we when we bought him and brought him into the fold. I think he's a hardworking player. Regardless of the fact that he tends to disappear, he's never disappeared when it comes to pressing. His defensive responsibilities, he's always working on those, which is great. That is good, and I don't think every player does that. Um, And you do see him pressing up type with Calvert-Lewin. Thomas, you're completely right. But we are missing something. When he's not dropping back, there's a gap in the middle of the field between our two center midfielders that are shielding that back line and him. There's a big old space in the middle. Huge gap. Yeah. You're about to say something, Edward? Yeah. You're, was, you're doing was, like magic hands. And I was like, hold on. What's Edward the Magnificent? Here he comes. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. I've, I mean, I've got a couple of points I, I wouldn't mind saying. But it's like with Sigurdsson, last year he was one of our best, if not the best player we had in the side. Um, and arguably he's had his best ever season in football. And that was because we used him, utilized him well in the system. And um, it worked perfectly. You know, he was scoring, he was assisting, he was doing well. And especially in the home games, you noticed we were playing through the middle. So to me, anyway, it feels like with Sigurdsson, it's a system. The system's got to play to him, not he has to play to the system. That's the way I see it anyway with him. And I think when it works, it's having... um, you're utilising, obviously, the middle pitch because you have the likes... I'd say last year, when we had those tactics, we had Gay, we had Gomez and Sigurdsson, ideally the perfect trio to have in that middle because Gay was staying in front of the back line. He was just picking up the ball so then he could pass to Gomez. Gomez is the... And I think this is probably what you're saying is a missing link. Uh, Without Gomez in that side, there's no one there to bring that ball forward and connect the two in attacking midfield and defensive midfield. So when Gomez brings the ball forward, Sigurdsson can move either to be a second striker to head the ball in or he's going to be on one of the wings to be able to put a cross in. But then, you know, Gomez can sort of adapt to that number 10 role for him. However, without Gomez in that side, you've got two defensive midfielders that aren't going to bother going forward like Gomez can or like they've got the ability of it, which is why I say Davies needs to play. But 
Um, it, it just shows that when Sigurdsson has to drop deep, I don't think he actually is utilised well, and he may as well just be out of the side because he's not a box-to-box midfielder. We all know that. He hasn't got the pace. Um, as much as he tries with his pressing game, he just doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the stamina to keep going uh, for a whole game. So realistically, I'm going to finish on the point of I think the system needs to play to him, not he needs to play to the system. Because, you know, arguably on his day, he's our best player inside at the minute. So, by the way, Edward, that's exactly what I was getting at with Gomez. Um, but yeah, the idea, I, that's one of the reasons why I felt like when Gomez was in the team, I thought our our play was working more. I thought it was working better. I just, you know, I thought we looked like a stronger team when he was there. He was carrying the ball forward with confidence, and I felt like we were there was at least someone trying to get the ball forward down the middle some, rather than mm-hmm. always shunting it off to the to the flanks every time. Um, yeah, so there's a you either you either because I feel like we've done the thing where we build the system around Sigurdsson, don't you think? Don't you think we've done this? That's sort of what we've been doing, right? Isn't that yeah. like the whole point for doing four two three one? Was you know what Sigurdsson? He's good. Let's do it all for him. That's what it seems yeah. like. It. I mean, arguably, yeah. We so that's why was maybe that's why we're sticking with that formation because we've been used to it for so long with how we've played uh, with some of the older players. But then we've had loads of new players in. But then. You know, like you say, we built it around them. So why are we still? Why are we not using the same tactics as we have been last year? It's like, I mean, I'll put a point now in with uh, Sheffield Wednesday. It's like there was a straight difference because it was like Iwobi and Bernard were playing in that sort of, but they were able to rotate, and it was this whole midfield three that were able to rotate because they had the mobility, they had the pace to be able to do it. So arguably, we can play that system. We just need somebody to be mobile if we're just choosing to pass to the wings every time. And also, I think another difference made was the fact that we had, a, and I've said his name already, but Davies was a box-to-box midfielder, so he was able to bring the ball forward. And even then, it's like Sigurdsson isn't as mobile, but at least in that certain sort of system, you've got players that are willing to run around him to give the ball to him so he can pass the ball off, and it just works well. But... Why, I mean, like you say, going for the wings every time, Sigurdsson is just pointless then. We may as well play something like a 4-4-2 where we're just crossing into the wings from the wings every time. I think one of the things when Davies does play instead of Sigurdsson, instead of Davies coming in for Gomez or for Delph or whoever else would be playing in that in those, you know, that two portion of the 4-2-3-1, if he were to come in in a 4-3-3 for Sigurdsson, Okay, mm. I actually think uh, it could work because I think he would be dropping farther back a lot more often and he would get a lot more touches. I feel like he doesn't push forward as much. You know what I mean? And I actually think we're actually going to take advantage of those middle spaces and build up play a lot more through the middle, you know, because mm. uh, Davies isn't pushing forward to score. He's trying to combine with other players more. That's just what he's doing. So that's his game, isn't it? That's yeah, that's how he that's is. how he plays. And this formation that we seem to like to play so much is just so it does work when you're like two goals up, but when you've you've got nothing on at the minute, 
then you may as well be playing an attacking threat. You never know. Maybe if we played something like a four-four-two, had Sigurdsson in the middle, so then he's just got say Gabamin or Gomez next to him who can come back and do the defensive duties. He might excel in it. We don't know because then it's he's got a one on the wing, one on that wing, and then two up front to try and do something with. So it may work for his advantage. It's possible. To, but but we never see that possibility. No. I think we'd probably be quite exposed if we had Sigurdsson and Gomez in a 4-4-2 because as much as Gomez likes to think he can defend, sometimes I really don't think he can. I agree. And it Sigurdsson would have to almost be Gabarmin, right? It would, it would have to be Gabarmin or maybe oh, Delph, yeah, not for yeah. how defensive Delph is. But yeah. <laughs> I think if we put Sigurdsson and Gomez in the middle, that's really... That, we, can't be, we can't be expecting to be... That, that's the point where we there. need to win games then. <laughs> All right, so... All right, so anything else on this, guys? Because I feel like uh, the real question is, you know, Silva seems like he's been adapting the system around Sigurdsson, right? So does Sigurdsson get a marked a markedly less amount of playing time if he switches the system? That's probably true. Or are we thinking about, or, or do we feel like, you know what, the system could possibly work if there's another player doing a similar role that's going to play that particular role that Sigurdsson plays differently. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think all three of us are in agreement. We'd love to see him switch some things up. And frankly, either one of those options would be interesting enough and possibly would give us that penetration on the, in the middle rather than every time going to the sides. Works. I mean, we've seen so many crosses. You would think, if you didn't know anything about Everton, you'd say, you know what, they must have like four six-foot-nine dudes in the middle that they can just cross to. You know what I mean? They, you would think, if you, had, if you didn't know anything about our strikers, if you just look at our crossing stats, they'd be like, oh, they've got a plan, clearly. But no, we've got like one person who can win headers. I want to ask a quick one. question as well. So, it's, it can be a straight answer if you want. What is the main reason, right, that you think that Sigurdsson is kept being played in the side? Is it his qualities in his play, or is it his price tag that we paid? Holden Marcus Silva's family ransom. Does, does that count as an answer? That could I, be can't, that could I can't be see another. why else he'd stay in the team, to be fair. He's been ridiculously poor recently. Uh, I, I think it's, his, it's the fact that he's just such a quality player uh you know period um however if he doesn't play his value goes down edward you make an interesting point because we paid a lot of money and if he doesn't play that means if he's sold he's sold davy clausen style and that's not the best no it's not the best thing for everton i wonder if sold davy clausen style is going to catch on as a thing jerry I wonder if you started something there. <laughs> no, players I, are going to start no being sold Davy Clausen style. People will will deny that out of pure uh, principle because I said it. <laughs> <laughs> like the American on Toffee Blue said it. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but uh, but it, it's it's an interesting point. Price tag. Do they feel beholden because a player? You know, we, we, we paid a ton for a player to, to make sure we give him playing time. But at this point, I really do think, if I'm honest, Silva's going to play who he thinks needs to play because he wants to keep his job. He does want to keep his job. I think that is the thing that trumps everything else. 
Mm. You know, that well, he's, he's the, surpasses. Sigurdsson's the deputy captain, isn't he? Or something like that as well. So maybe that's why he's got a bit of belief it's, in him. Thinking that I mean, I think, he's, I, I think he's one of those who leads by example in terms of the way he conducts himself as a proper professional. It's more you actions know? than words, you'd say. Yes, that's. But he's not a rah rah guy. Even if you hear his voice, you're like, "Oh, that's not very authoritative." <laughs> you know, he's not really like a. He's kind of, you know, hello. You know, it's a little higher pitched than you expect. It's not really that. Hey, let's go take this by the throat, guys. It's never like that for Sigurdsson. He doesn't. I just made him kind of talk like a cartoon dog just then. I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, but, but but he's just he's just not. He. But that's the thing. I think he's he's a personality guy. Mm. In terms of the way he conducts himself, he's reliable in terms of work rate. All right, um, but if you look at the statistics as in positional play in games in which we haven't performed, it's it usually is because he's finding himself way too far up. Yeah, and that may be a direct result of us constantly going. Uh, hello, microphone. Us going constantly down the flanks and him feeling the need he's to, to, to be farther up in order to be able to win balls in the box. Yeah. You know? Um, one feeds the other, potentially. So, uh, so how are we going to do this? How's this going to work? Turner? Would you play Sigurdsson or Davies? Would you play Sigurdsson or Davies? You gotta answer the question. Or you, you played Sigurdsson. Why would you play Sigurdsson? No reason. <laughs> See, that is the Everton thinking right there. You know, well, I gotta play Sigurdsson, right? Because he's Sigurdsson. <laughs> that right there. Is that the right decision? I, he's four. He has no idea what he's talking about. But he's a good example. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, that's pretty much showed the footballing intelligence for a lot of fans and managers. To be fair, so. <laughs> Are you finished? Do you have anything else to say? No. Okay, good. Go in the corner. Try not to pee. All right. So, guys, anything else on this? I feel like we're attacking this from a lot of angles, but which is ironic. it's the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny how odd that phrasing was? <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, we're uh, approaching this a little bit differently than Marco. Um, well, hey. Anyway, uh, it's going to have to be some sort of change-up, though. Yeah. Either changing him or changing the system or both. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess that's it for our Sigurdsson slash Awobi slash what are we doing with that position segment. Good luck making a thumbnail out of that, John. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Thomas against Edward in a Toffee's Cage match of wit and might. So, guys, this is going to be a penalty-style quiz. It's a squad number conundrum. Um, and I think this is going to be kind of weird because if one of you answers before the other one and the other one's like, wow, that sounds right, they can literally copy the answer. I'm not sure how this is going to work. I've got a piece of paper I can do. If only Thomas believed in paper. I can do that. Hey! Problem solved, gentlemen. Toffee Blues has been promoting honesty amongst quizzes for years. 
<laughs> this is uh, the first real time you're getting evidence of that. But just saying, it's a it's a thing we're on to. So, guys, I uh, I have I have left my uh, my fake coin at home when I had to record there. So, what I'm going to do? Hey, I got an idea. No coin involved. Turner, my 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 four year old son Turner is with me. So, Turner, I want you to make a one or a two, but don't say it with your hands. Okay. Don't say it out loud. Make a one or or two and hold it below there. Hold it below the desk. All right? Thomas, does Turner have a one or a two on his hand? Two. Thomas says two. Turner, is it a one or a two? Put your hand up. He said one. It is a one. So, Edward, would you like to go first or second? I'll go second. You don't know how to make a two? Just so you know, for future reference, guys, if we do that again... Turner says he doesn't know how to make a two with his fingers. So, Thomas, you were screwed from the beginning. So, <laughs> it's okay. Hey, hey, you know what? I have trouble making 11 with my fingers. Just saying. This is 11. That's the smarter way to do it, just like that. He's right. You know, the two, the two pointer fingers. That's 11. Okay. So, gentlemen. So, what did you say, Edward, first or second? I'll go second. Okay, Edward goes second. So... Number conundrum, Thomas and Edward. And you know what? We're going to rotate. Because that's only fair. If you, if, if uh, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. All right, so for, uh, insert intense quiz music. Yeah, it's going to be like that, except like it's going to sound like, you know, Hans Zimmer, Dark Knight kind of stuff, I'm Ooh. sure. Yeah. Okay, good, right? good, good. All right, so Thomas. Who wore the number 12 for Everton in the 2011-2012 season? Remember to write down your answer. Do I have to write down my answer yet? It it may be a good idea. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I don't know why I know this. Okay. Edward, are you cheating, Edward? No. Edward's looking at the wall. That looks like cheatings to me. Just saying. All right? All right, so. Thomas, what's your answer? I'm not really sure why I know this, but I've come from Hahnemann. Okay. Thomas says Hahnemann. Who did you say, Edward? I said, uh, an each of You probably won't be able to read it, but ah. it's an each of Well, yeah. Thomas just scored on that one, folks. That is correct. I have no idea why I knew that or where I knew that from. That is correct. All right, so next question. Edward. Edward, who wore the number 17 shirt during the 2015-2016 season? John, it'd be cool if you put in yeah maybe amp up the music during these or just cut out the silence completely okay are we both ready ready all right edward i went with mohammed besic ah i've heard of him thomas who did you say i don't i don't even know if he was playing this season but i went for del feu del feu correct answer is mo besic points to eduardo okay one to one guys all right, so Thomas, 
your go. So, Lucas Neal wore what squad number for Everton during his short time at the club? I don't even know who that is. Lucas <laughs> I, I've never heard of him. I'm, I'm going to go. I don't, I don't know. I've got a number though. Okay. Got my number. Alright, what do you got? 26. 26. Edward? 22. 22. Uh, correct answer is 23. Guys, your guesses were pretty good. Um, I somehow feel like I'm doing this quiz wrong. Because if you both get it wrong, then I feel like it's just... It's a dud. Yeah. So what's the deal? Alright. So anyway, I'm just going to draw... A squiggly line through that one. There we go. Still one to one. Uh, Edward, John Joe Kinney wore what number for Everton? Not mine. What is it? It is the number 43. 43. 43. Both of you got that too. Okay. This is going to be my tiebreaker question because right now it's still one to one technically. Okay. Okay. Tiebreaker question. All right. Last question, guys. Um, so, Thomas, what number did Omar Nias wear for Everton in the 2016-2017 season? Omarnias. Oh. If we both get this wrong, does it just go whoever's closest? Because uh, that not, not, we, we could either go whoever's closest, or I can pick the song. Either way. Either way. Okay, I'll have a number. Okay. Thomas, what is your number? 24. 24. Edward. I went with no squad number because he didn't have a locker at that season. That is different than what I have. Ah. But Thomas was right. Yeah. <laughs> 24 is what I have. So somehow, fun. despite me probably botching up this questioning system, uh, <laughs> somehow someone has shaken loose a winner. Uh, Edward, you did a good job. You, I think you made a, a, a nice account of yourself. So, you know, don't don't cry too hard on Don't this try one. to be clever, kids. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, Thomas, your uh, your gold medal is to pick the the tune that we close out to today. What is the tune we're going with? I'm, a, I'm actually pretty sure. I don't think I've ever lost a quiz when I've come on. Actually, I think I've won every time I've been on. We've done a quiz, but uh, I'm glad to keep Nerd. going. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is like you guys are just hearing all my music, my whole Spotify. <laughs> I've heard that song. <laughs> Go for Fear by Ian Brown. Fear by Ian Brown. I can safely say I've never heard of that one. I can safely say I I, I don't I haven't either. This is what this is what I heard last week as well. So yeah, I need to pick up very good. More relevant. Why are you picking Fear by Ian Brown? Or do I can I read between the lines? 
Oh, I didn't even think about that. I don't know. It's just a good song. I was listening to it today. There's, no, there's nothing really to it. <laughs> so there's no Everton connection. You're just like, nah, I thought it was great. <laughs> just... No, I need to start coming up with an Everton connection for these songs, really, especially if I'm picking them every week. But uh... yeah, Terry's, <laughs> look at, look at, listen to how he just slyly <laughs> sneaks that in. He's like, look, I'm pretty incredible, and I don't really think this through. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. No, it's funny. Like when Terry picks it, he's like, it's like it's always like thematic and connects, you know what I mean? And yeah, so yours are accidentally doing that, uh, Thomas. So just saying, uh, "Fear" by Ian Brown is is the tune because I, I do think there's a there's some fear in the air, in the mm-hmm. Everton air. I would even say maybe in the locker room. Yeah, this is a whole. This is another conversation, but I better not get into that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is another conversation. Enough. It's almost like we should just uh, listen to the music and forget it and filter it out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if uh, if you've been listening to a podcast, we really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the Top of This Podcast. Rate it if you can, you know. And also, if you're like, you, you know, I I am curious to see what Edward looks like. I want to see what a guy who jumped out of a plane looks like. Yeah. Check our YouTube channel. It's one of the places where you can see his face. Yes. So uh, there's that. If you want more, uh, if you want more Thomas, keep an eye on uh, the Toffee Blues website, but also keep an eye on his Twitter. He'll tell you when and where he's going to be. He puts out all kinds of Everton-based content on there. Uh, also, check Edward's Twitter because he's got a pinned tweet on his Twitter that tells you. Uh, how you can check out his uh, fundraising campaign for his skydiving hotness. Um, and I, I, I think, oh yeah, one last thing. Follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go to the Toffee Blues uh, website. Uh, all things Everton on there. Lots of good content. Uh, so guys, uh, I, I need to wrap up. Uh, Thomas, thanks again, man. It's good to, good to talk thanks to you. Me. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you roll out a winner. Again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Edward Edward Edward's gone John I don't know what to do with this part Edward I, I, I don't know where he is uh, yeah I don't know how to say bye to him and say thanks for being on okay let's try this what bye nobody yeah say that loud bye nobody is what so what Turner says oh Edward's back so I'm not able to do my Edward impression. Uh, so, Edward, <laughs> I'm saying bye now. I'm wrapping things up. So, uh, gotcha. Ed- Edward, yeah, Edward, thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate your time. Not a problem. It was a pleasure to be on again. Okay. So, uh, see you next year. <laughs> next year. Next year. So, uh, yeah, uh, everybody out there, um, keep your head up. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. Uh, so for uh, for Thomas and Edward and all the other Toffee Blues out there, uh, see you next time. Up the Toffees. Yes, up the Toffees. And Turner, give us one last bye. 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 Done. Done deal. Okay. We're out.
You got to see it. You got to see it.